The Bar Star Podcast is a show that aims for something a little different. It's hosted by a drummer who thinks he's a musician. But let's be honest, I know and you know that drummers are not musicians, right? Or are they? Hang on a second, who wrote this crap? This is garbage. Nobody's gonna listen to a show put on by somebody they haven't heard of. Stupid. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Bar Star Podcast. I am your host, still Stephen O'Reilly. I want to thank you guys for coming back once again to hang out with my dumb ass. I appreciate it. I appreciate the ratings and the reviews and the downloads and the streams and the wings of angels and birds of flight. Wait, sorry. Thank you guys for continuing to support me. I appreciate it, especially in this time of the Black Plague. Um, having something creative to do definitely is keeping my sanity in check. I hope everybody is doing well. I hope everybody had a good week. And as the new always, I hope you guys are staying safe and shit. So today is part two of my conversation with Jake Badger. We finish up talking about all of his... Uh, musical escapades and all the things he's done and then we get into talking about losing his dad to the current coronavirus COVID-19 whatever they call it Um, and it was his choice to talk about it he he's a remarkable human and I'm not saying that because he's on my show Uh, I said this to his face you will hear it at some point in this episode Um, for him to lose his dad so suddenly to this crazy shit we're dealing with and to handle it the way he has handled it is is nothing short of remarkable so again jake i know you're gonna listen to this so you can critique my work because that's how you are uh my hat off to you sir you are you are truly a a one of a kind hell of a human being so there you go that's it it's as somber as we're gonna get Uh, You will hear the rest of the conversation Jake and I have about his father, Jer Bear, and his passing at the, towards the end of this episode. But don't fret, children. Wow. I just called a bunch of strangers children. Anyway, don't fret, kids. Jake has an amazing sense of humor. He always has. That's one of the things that him and I kind of bonded over. A long time ago, and and it's evident in this episode and part one. If you didn't listen to part one of my conversation with Jake, you should probably go do that. In fact, do it now. I'll wait. Yeah, okay, I'm not waiting that long. Uh, So that's it. I am out of here. I will talk to you guys on the other side of this. Here is my conversation. Part D with Jake Badger. So that was a cool sound effect. Did you like that? Yeah. <laughs> I'll put it in later. <laughs> so we we took a break because I had to pee. And I wanted to smoke. I'm not going to lie about it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> um, so how long... Remind me because I totally did forget. What was the name of that band? Institution. Okay. How long was Institution together? 
when you were doing all those shows? I think we had like a four-year run, maybe. Gotcha. And then, um, let's see, 2007. So, yeah, so I, I was an institution until I turned 21, basically. Um, God, you're a baby. When I turned 21, I got hired at the Sheriff's Department. And um, started working in the jail. I was on second shift. And it was like impossible oh, to yeah. play music. So for sure. I didn't play for, I didn't play out for a few years. I, I just kind of played at home and played to my, my iPod or whatever. Gotcha. Um, late 2000, I guess summer 2011, 2012, maybe, maybe before that, but probably somewhere around that time frame. Uh, my best friend, Corey Sturgill, who's also another monster drummer. Um, he was playing with, um, Centerfold. Mm-hmm. started a band Centerfold and he was working mm-hmm. with Teague. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I'm, that's when I met John Hager. Right. So, um, I was helping those guys out doing some, um, uh, I'd help them with like promotions and some stuff like that. And, right. um, me and John hit it off pretty quick and, um, he had a big love for country music and country had started to come back around at this point. I was actually at this time I was playing for a band called Blackbird County. Their initials are BBC. Don't Google that. No, and, Google uh, it. Go ahead. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> Just don't do it while anybody's around. They're like, we should make our Facebook at BBC Facebook. No, no, that's, no, 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 let's not do that. Let's, that, yeah, that's that my grandma idea. might Google it. <laughs> She's not good at typing in the correct keys, <laughs> and instead of the band, she's looking. Yeah, yeah, that's it's now. another story. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so um, I was playing with them, and um, I actually was kind of hesitant. My my buddy from institution, some somebody knew the guitar player for Blackbird County, and and uh, he's like, "Hey, this these guys are looking for a country drummer." Right, and. Um, and they knew I'd been kind of dabbling in some country stuff. I was jamming with some some buddies of mine down in Fairdale, and we it was just a little trio, and we were just jamming in the garage, drinking Budweiser. And <laughs> our, the name of our band was Big Dixie. <laughs> <laughs> Greatest band name ever. Depends how it was spelled. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> still a great band name. Oh yeah. So we we never got any shows. I don't know why. Um, I guess because you couldn't find big titty for opener. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would have been awesome. Big titty and big Dixie live at snatches. (laughs) So (laughs) coming next week, the snoochies. (laughs) We could go on for days. Yes. Uh, So yeah. So uh, they they hollered at me and was like, "Hey, we're looking for a country drummer. Here's our stuff." And I listened to it and I was like. I don't know. I just, I wasn't, I was so damn busy. I just kind of blew them off. Right. And then like another month went by. I was like, hey, we're still looking for a drummer if you're interested. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I'll try it. I was like, let's jam. What right. The hell? So jammed with them and um, went really good and ended up playing with them for about a year. Nice. Um, the singer and I, which, which we're cool now, but we, business wise, we, we weren't really, uh, on the same page. Right. Uh, Happens all the time. I actually got fired 
uh, from playing with them um, because um, I suggested that we take show money and pay for our recording right? instead of dipping into our own budgets that we have for some of them have families and kids and, you know. Right. Uh, I was like, well, let's just take show money and, you know, instead of, I mean, we all have day jobs, so let's eat some show money, put that towards recording and instead of dipping into our own bank accounts and that caused a big debacle yeah. and I left the band. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> hey, he's got a great idea. Fire him. Yeah. Been there. Like, You're not going to tell us how to manage our money. <laughs> nope. Okay. Fire me, please. And uh, did you hear about that show they played last week? No, you didn't. Not not because of the quarantine, but because they they ended not long after that because poor management. <clears throat> <laughs> Fast forward, next project. <laughs> Which I still love those guys. They're we're all still buddies, so we we all joke around, but. Um, oh, I've I've been through and put through <laughs> and been put through the ringer about how I was fired from Heaven Hill. Really? I, oh, you didn't know it? I didn't know it. Oh, yeah, I was fired. Really? Yeah. Boy, were they smart. <laughs> <sighs> Too many stick flips? Uh, yeah, exactly. That's what it was. <laughs> <You> fucking prick. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a long, drawn-out story that I've covered on the show before, but the the, the short version is... Our ideas didn't line up completely. Mm-hmm. I refused to rehearse 72 days a week um, <laughs> because we didn't need to. We weren't writing anything new, and I didn't need to play the record. At this point, the record was already out. Yeah. We'd already done the CD release, um, and I was doing cover stuff and Heaven Hill stuff, and it just got it just got kind of shitty, um, mm-hmm. and we have all since made up, but there was a while where the five of us fucking hated it. I hated those dudes, yeah. and they hated me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we realized that they did shit wrong. I did shit wrong. We could have talked about it and worked it out and we, it just was dumb. Yeah. Uh, we all let our own egos get in the way. Cause at the time heaven Hill was, this would have been, uh, early 2009. I mean, we were as far as in Louisville, we were on fucking top. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah. we had the number one song in the region for 15 or 16 weeks or some shit, mm-hmm. whatever the hell it was. I mean, we could have rode that wave and done some amazing things and it just didn't happen. So, yeah. yeah, but yeah, I was fired. Hmm. Let me tell you a cool story. <laughs> sure. One of my favorite stories. <laughs> and I don't know if I've told it on the show, and if I have, I'm going to tell it again. I was replaced by Ivan Arnold, who is a phenomenal fucking love drummer. Ivan, yeah. I love Ivan, too. Yeah. Ivan and I have never had any issues. And I was working at Mom's, and at the time, I was doing both. I was teaching and working at the store. Mm-hmm. And I was in, I was behind the drum counter one day, and Ivan walked in. And we both had that moment where we just stared at each other. And he walked up and he goes, hey, man, I just, I, I don't want there to be any hard feelings. And I stopped him. I said, man, I, I don't have anything against you. You took a fucking gig. I'm yeah. not mad at you. Yeah. I got nothing but respect for you. We've never had a crossword. Blah, blah, blah. And we go on talking for about five or ten minutes. And he, he looks at me and he says, hey, man, um, that fucking fill that you're playing in, I don't remember the song. Sorry. But he goes, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? And we busted out laughing and I took him over to the one of the drum kits and I showed it to him. I said, this is the field. And he goes, fuck, I would have never figured that out. And it was funny. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. But he, him and I have never had any issues. Yeah. Um, but I just always thought that was funny because as good as he is 
and I share this with him. As good as he is, he has zero issue going, I don't know how to do that. Can you show me how the fuck you did yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. I love that about him. Because yeah, I'm the same way. If I, I'm the first to admit, uh, I can't play that. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's so many people that their ego gets in the way. And oh, They would sure. never be like, hey, what are you doing here? Yeah. They, they would never ask or they would never admit to themselves. I admit shit all the time. I, man, mm-hmm. I can't fucking play that. That's out of my wheelhouse. <laughs> I don't know how to do that shit. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's And that's why that's my favorite story. Not because it he couldn't play something I played. It has nothing to do with that. Yeah, yeah. He couldn't figure out what the fuck I was doing because we don't think the same. Mm-hmm. That's really what it is. Oh, yeah. And when I showed him what it was and explained my thought process, he went, oh, fuck, that makes sense. I get that now. Yeah, yeah. And he he played it fine. Played it perfect. <laughs> Actually, he probably played it a little bit better than I did. That dude's a monster drummer. He, he is, man. He doesn't play anymore. Really? Isn't mm-hmm. he a doctor now? Or got a doctorate in something? Uh, he he got a full scholarship to a school in Alabama for... Uh, oh, shit. I can't fucking remember. Um, super brainiac shit. Um, God damn it. Go listen to Chris Evans' podcast. We talked about it. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, but it was super brainiac shit. He's a super fucking smart yeah, dude. Yeah, he's super smart. Super smart uh, dude. Yeah, I remember uh, Ivan and then his wife played for... Inner Blue. In- yeah. Inner Blue. Yeah, Inner Blue. I used to give Ivan shit. Yeah. I used to say, hey, man, you know your your wife's a better drummer than you, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Shut up. It's only because she's cute. I thought that was so cool. Like, uh, well, I mean, like like we talked about earlier, there, there aren't a lot of female drummers Mm -hmm. she's another one she was really good she was she didn't play they're not even together anymore oh really yeah they got divorced unfortunately um i don't know the the details and i don't care because it's none of my business but um i could she's another one that i can't watch her play really she's a great drummer but i can't watch her play she sits so close to her drums (laughs) that it 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 physically hurts me to watch her play because she's almost sitting on top of them yeah it was one of the first things I noticed when I went to see Inner Blue years ago, and I'll never forget it. I walked up, and they sounded great, and they looked great, and I walked up, and I got real close, and I was look, it was in the saloon, and I was looking up and going, what the fuck is wrong with that bitch? What in the hell? <laughs> and then I realized she's sitting almost on top of her drums. Yeah. When we sit down, mm-hmm. when we sit down to play, most of the time our foot is in front of our knee from our perspective. Mm-hmm. Her foot was behind her knee from her perspective. That's how close she sat to her drums. Her her kneecap almost touched her kick drum rim. Wow. Drove me nuts. I couldn't stand it. Played her fucking ass off. Never yeah. missed a, a lick. She's a great drummer. Yeah, that that pains me. Like, I'm just trying to think I, of it. I know. I, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's why you kind of go, what the fuck? Yeah. How are you? Do-? Anyway. Um, so yeah, so I, w- I I understand the firing, and you you know it was the wrong decision. Yeah, and and looking back, like I don't, I mean everybody has an ego, but you're kind of like it, it fired me up to be oh, like for sure. Okay, the, you're gonna fire me. I'm gonna I'm gonna go create something else, and I'm gonna. I'm gonna I'm gonna do something bigger than what you guys are doing just to show just to prove my point. Right. I I did. <laughs> I did that, but I did the opposite at the same time. It mm-hmm. fired me up, and I was out to prove the entire city of Louisville wrong, mm-hmm. but I also stopped playing originals. I yeah. didn't want to have anything to do with an original band. People yeah. that people would call me, hey, you want it? Nope. Your originals? No. 
You want to pay me? <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. I became such a fucking money whore. Mm-hmm. And I was already a money whore. Everybody is. And people yeah. would say they're not or liars. Oh, yeah. I was already that way. But I became hardcore about it. You want me to do what? That's going to cost you X amount of dollars to even get my kick drum in the car. <laughs> and I became a dick Absolutely. about it because yeah. I was pissed. Mm-hmm. Because I had moved up here for them. That whole... Uh, somewhat civil record would have never happened the way it did without me. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we all were there. I know that. But the production and the recording and the engineering, none of that would have happened without me. We went to Atlanta and used all my connections for that record. Right. We recorded in Atlanta. Yeah. Um. So it was one of those, and again, it's all water under the bridge. We're, we're all fine now. But at the time, I, God damn, I hated their fucking guts. <laughs> I was plotting how to just destroy their shows and shit. I hated them. <laughs> But it it did exactly what you were what you were talking about. It fired me up, except I went the other way. I yeah. just stopped doing originals. I said I'm not doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. You're either going to pay me or I'm not doing this. Yeah. And at that point, I had been playing over 20 years. I'm playing over 31 now because that was about 10 years ago when it happened. Actually, I was fired in 2009, so that was 11 years ago. God damn, I'm old. <laughs> Fuck, I've been up here for a long time. Um, but thinking about being back in that place i know exactly what you're talking you can't help but do that yeah because every musician has an ego i've said that on probably all episodes of my show um and anybody that'll listen i'll scream that shit from the mountain to do what we do you have to have an ego yeah absolutely the size of the ego depends on the person so there's all sorts of different egos there's the arrogant shit how you present your ego and how you present it (laughs) so there's all sorts of different levels of it but we all have an ego right Everybody does that does what we do. So when that gets bruised and you're in that situation, it's fuck off. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. gonna show your dumbasses. <laughs> See how fucking stupid you are. Oh yeah, I definitely had a bitter taste in my mouth after that, and I oh, never, yeah. I had never been fired from anything. And uh, me so, neither. That was the first man I was fired from. So whether you know a job, band, whatever. Like so, I was like, I mean, it really lit a fire under my ass. And, um, oh, it'll change your mentality for sure. Whether you want it to or not, it'll change the way you think. Yeah, for sure. And so I was hungry and started jamming with John Hager and, uh, which we jammed for a little bit. We, we wrote a couple songs here and there. Um, my schedule was always in the way. Right. Um, and, um, there had been a couple times where we'd, we'd start up a project and then, um, it would fall through whether on his end or mine. And I was getting frustrated. I was like, I'm, I'm just done. I'm out. Right. I'm <laughs> done with music. I'm just going to play. I don't fucking care. I'm just going to play in my garage and play to the iPod because the iPod shows up on time every time and <laughs> doesn't let me down. Doesn't replace me while I'm at work. So, uh, <laughs> which I think you you played with John, didn't you do like a gig or two with Jackson uh, Kings I or I did. something? I, I, I often avoid this because it, listen, I have no problem throwing anybody under the bus <laughs> if they deserve it. Yeah. Um, I have no problem filtering myself. Most people that know me know this. Mm-hmm. I'm very touchy about this only, not for musical political reasons, mm-hmm. Only because I know John has his own demons. Yep. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I'm very cautious how I tell this story, and I've never told it on the show. But the short version is Teague called me after we, uh, all of us in Heaven Hill as people made up. Mm-hmm. They were still doing their thing. Actually, I think Heaven Hill might have been done at this point uh, because I had moved to Alabama, and then they got some other fuck kid named Ricky some shit to play drums, and I hated <laughs> that guy. Um, but he had called me, and he said, hey, I've got these guys I'm working with. And I'm I'm pausing because I'm trying to remember if they were called Centerfold or Jackson Kings. I know we played as Jackson Kings, but I think when he called me, because there was a five or six month gap, but he called me and he said, hey, I'm having problems with the drummer. Don't know who he is. I'm not being mean to the guy. I just don't know who he is. Mm -hmm. He can't do this shit in the studio. Can you, would you be interested in in recording some drums? And I said, yeah, fuck yeah. we, We worked out the terms and I said, yeah, I'll do that for sure. What is it? Five, six songs? No problem. So they sent me the songs. I learned it. We rehearsed once um, at Guitar Center, and then we went to some studio downtown uh, that is not there anymore, and we tracked the tunes. Uh, I got my money and said, hey, when the when you guys get done mixing the record, I, I would like a copy of it because I play drums on it. No, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, I get a call from Teague that they want to start playing out but they want to play out with me and apparently the drummer was not happy and no it was not you i do remember that yeah i remember it wasn't Corey sturgill either Corey had already yeah i don't i don't know the guy and and again i'm not talking shit about him i've never met the dude but from what i was told Mm -hmm. uh he was butthurt that i they called another drummer in because he couldn't play to a click and all that kind of shit well don't get butthurt dude that's just a fact (laughs) it's a fucking fact that happens to everybody um but they liked what I played, and they wanted to do uh, start doing shows. And besides liking what I played, he was butt hurt, so he kind of quit. Yeah. So we formed the Jackson Kings, and we started rehearsing. The I don't remember the year. I'm not even going to try. But it was the first time I was still in Jefferson Talk Bus. But it was the first time I tried my hand at business. I've understood it. I've known how to do it. I've just never actually done it. Mm-hmm. So I had used all the connections I had made up to that point, and I booked a a band release for uh, what they call that upstairs at Phoenix Hill Roof Garden. Oh yeah, the Roof Garden had. A, I think we had might have had a. Actually, no, we didn't. We, there was no other band. It was just us. That's how many strings I pulled. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I got three, four hundred people in there, um, which was fucking great. Yeah. I was super happy. So we did town check. Um, everything sounded great. Everybody left, came back because we sound checked in the afternoon. And I think it was something like 30 minutes before we were supposed to play. John was nowhere to be found. Really? Nowhere. Wasn't answering his phone. No text, no carrier pigeons, no shit. <laughs> oh, shit. And, and listen, I say this with arrogance. And I say it with business sense. My name was on the line. Oh, yeah. It was the first time I'd ever pulled any strings. He shows up. We were supposed to go on at 9. He shows up at 20 after. 9.20, And I was fucking livid. <laughs> I wanted to end his life. <laughs> I was so fucking mad. Um, he got on stage. We did the show. No, we did not play very well. Uh, it didn't go over as well as I wanted. Uh, everybody was super nice as far as the people that came. They go, oh, this is great. When are you guys going to do this? Oh, we got the record coming out, mm-hmm. six-song EP, whatever. I was done. 
And yeah. when we got off stage, Marcus Walter was in that band, who later became my guitar player in Willow Creek, who is so fucking good. Love Marcus. I do too. Um, I wish he was still playing. Me too. Um, yeah. I might have to edit that out because... Now nah, fuck that. Uh, <laughs> I really wish he was still playing. He's super happy though, so it's not. Yeah, yeah. It was his choice. He didn't do oh, anything yeah, wrong. Sure. Um, Gas Money played his wedding, by the way. Oh no shit! Do you know that? I didn't know. Yeah, that. he he called me and he said, "Hey, I want you to play my wedding." I went, do what? <laughs> I said, "I'll play your wedding on one condition. You have to get up and play at least two songs." And he says, "Man, I haven't played since blah blah blah." I said, "I don't care. Dust your guitar off. <laughs> Pick two songs." Yeah. Um, so anyway, when we got done playing the Jackson Kings at that show, I looked at Marcus. I said, "Get him the fuck out of here." And he said, do what? I said, get John the fuck out of here. I don't want to see him. I don't want to smell him. I don't want to look at him. Nothing. I don't want to hear him. I don't want to even know that he's within 10 feet of me. I was that pissed. Yeah. And the next day, John called me a few times and I ignored him. And Marcus called me and we talked about it. And I said, man, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing this. You guys are on your own. Find somebody else. I will not be embarrassed like that. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, I have now learned that John has demons. So that's why I'm very careful how I tell that story. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm throwing him under the bus, but it actually factually happened. Yeah. That's yeah. how that show went down. I didn't know it at the time. I just thought he was a fucking idiot with an alcoholic <laughs> with a drinking problem. Um, turns out he has demons. Cool. Work your shit out. Yeah. But we didn't talk for a long time. Mm-hmm. And fast forward to this place that we're sitting in now, I really hadn't had a conversation with John until about a year ago. Really? And so that would, when was Centerfold? What year was that? You remember? 11, 12? Somewhere around there, yeah. So that's probably when this all went down, 12-ish. So I hadn't had a conversation with John in eight years, seven years. Mm -hmm. I hated him. Mm -hmm. And anybody that would listen, I would tell him I fucking hated him. Right. I don't now because I understand more. Mm -hmm. I get it. Um I will never work with him again, and he knows that. Yeah. So it's not, again, I'm I'm careful, and I'm not talking shit about him. Yeah. Um, like Ricky, the guy that replaced Ivan in Heaven Hill, I'll talk shit about that dude all day. He's a fucking piece of shit, garbage motherfucker. <laughs> John, he's got issues, mm-hmm. and he needs to work them out. Super talented, stupid good songwriter. Oh, yeah. Great, Great singer. He's got all the tools. He just has shitty management yeah. in his own head. But that's... The the short version of the Jackson <laughs> yeah, King story. Yeah. That's how all that went down. And um little backstory. So well uh Marcus mm-hmm. came with John with that. Mm-hmm. Well, I introduced John to Marcus because uh Marcus and I had a mutual friend growing up and we all used to jam occasionally ah, in Marcus you. at Marcus House out in Lanesville way back shit right out after we all graduated high school oh got you and uh i mean that dude is just an absolute he's perfect beast he's per- not o- not only is he a beast he's perfect look at him oh he's got the look he's, he's fucking beautiful yeah he's, he's got, got great hair fuck you marcus hair. i know fucking prick i love he, you uh they were <laughs> <laughs> i miss him man i haven't seen him in forever uh, i haven't seen him since his wedding they were since in a, i played his wedding he was in a band called like exit 119 which is the green Greenville exit, I think. I should know that. But uh Yeah, you're slacking on your cop duties. I know it. It's been a long time since I've been over there. But uh so we we met through Blaze Streets, who's another local country guy. We the first show I ever played was uh at a place called the Chicken House, which is out way out Grantline Road, like past IUS. 
Um, oh, you're up in the territory I don't go yeah, into. Yeah, I don't a lot go of, there. You know, it's a different world for all these uh, Kentuckians over here. The last time I went to Grant Lyde Road was when I went to my bar. Oh, God. Yeah, that's been Greatest ago. sugar French fries on the fucking planet. <laughs> sugar French fries. They had these sugar fries. They were so good. But I used to play up there all the time with Strumbeat. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. We set up in the corner. I love that bar. Anyway. I was ahead. never old enough to go there, but I heard lots of good things. <sighs> Did you play there back in your 30s? Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. So, uh, let's actually, see. actually, you know what? Fuck you. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I just did math in my head. I was in my thirties. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Dickhead. Oh man. <laughs> see, I love it. Cause if the tables were turned, you'd be doing the same thing. Right, you, so. you damn right. I, would. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to stop. Cause I had to think about it for a second. And go. That's a great joke. Oh shit. I think he's true. I think he's right. Oh, oh, damn. Fuck. He's right. Damn he's it. right. <laughs> I'm an old bastard. Damn it. Yeah, but I still look good for my age. <laughs> I mean, you look like a solid, careful, careful. Uh, 36. I'll take it. <laughs> I'm just under 40. I'll take it. So, um, well, when did. So let's see. So, right after that's when Wildwood started. That's what I was getting ready to ask you. Did Wildwood kind of come out of that? So, meeting John and all that kind of stuff? I was in a point in my life where. Uh, I'd had a, I'd been on the sheriff's department for f- four or five years, maybe, and um, I just had the itch to get back into music. And I'd right, I'd change shifts, so um, I was open to uh, to being able to do shows again. Um, and John called me. He's like, he's like, hey, he's like, he's like, I want to, I want to, I got a new project. I was like, of course you do. John had a new project every week. And I was like, no, not interested. He's like, man, just hear me out. No. No. He's like, well, I'm not fronting the band. He's like, I found a guy that I want to use. He's like, I had him cut one of our songs, which was Patron. And he said, I, uh, because we we actually started the very beginning of, I guess, the production stage, which I guess the the writing stage, we can't. We dabbled with Patron. It was like a riff, and a, we had the riff and like the chorus. Right. We were jamming with Marcus way back in the day. And uh, so he's like, so I found this guy. His name's Kevin Cummings, um, and I want him to sing, and I'm going to play guitar. And I was like, you're not singing? Because, I mean, John's a great singer. He is. So for him to step down. take a step back. I was or like, step back, yeah. Well, this guy's got to be good. He's like, he's like, I got a demo. He's like, he's like, where are you at? And I was at the time I was eating at Texas Roadhouse over off of uh, it wasn't on that it wasn't in St. Matthews yet. It was the next, it was a, it was the next one over there, uh, yeah, like Breckenridge or whatever. <laughs> so I was like, so I was in Louisville. So I was like, uh, I was like, well, I'm over here in Louisville, Texas Roadhouse. You meet me over here, right? So he played uh, played the recording of Kevin doing a demo for Patron. And I was like, I looked at him. I was like, when we practicing? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I guy's fucking good. I don't know who he is, but he's good. So we brought in Colleen, and uh, they brought in, Kevin brought in Ronnie Duckworth and Scott Edlin. 
And uh, so that was the original lineup of Wildwood. We right. jammed a couple times. I think it was in Ronnie's old basement. Scott's a great bass player. Yeah, man. And uh, Scott walks in, and I mean, fresh out of work, uh, dressed like a fucking accountant. <laughs> Which he is, so I mean, it makes sense. Right. <laughs> He's a smart one. And uh, I was like, who the fuck is this nerdy guy in here? And I'd say that right to his face if he was sitting here. And because uh, I love that fucker. He's like my brother. Uh, and he knows he knows that I felt that way because I said it out loud. And uh, I was like, who are you? He's like, I play bass. I was like, oh, okay. This, this guy's he looks like he's not going to play what we want him to. Right. Um. And then after practice, I was like, oh, shit. This dude's legit. Pretty damn good. He plugged in and you went, damn, I was wrong. I was like, ooh. <laughs> I don't mind being wrong. <laughs> Not today, I don't. <laughs> Not today. Uh, and then Ronnie, who... Ronnie was a great guitar... I don't know if you ever got to meet Ronnie. Um, he's a great guitar player. I mean, that dude could... He could pick up a guitar and, and set in and and play with anybody it, it wouldn't be what the record was right and i mean just one of those guys like who can solo and dabble over whatever right whatever's going on but could never do it twice uh <laughs> our when we was tracking the album I, I think he had like 16 16 runs at every song and like uh, okay. none of them was Dro- got gotcha. drove jordan nuts <laughs> And me. And uh, which, speaking of Jordan Haynes, Jordan, I, I grew up watching Jordan, which I think, I don't know if he might be a year younger than me. I can't remember. But I mean, like, he was like a god in the music scene when I came in. Like, I looked up to those guys. Right. Because they were filling up. I mean, they were selling out headliners. They were up there. They were doing guitar flips. They were fucking crushing it. I was like, I want to be like those dudes. Right. And uh, same thing, you know, like you guys in Heaven Hill, like you all were like, I was like, I want to do that shit. I want to get out of my basement and I want to, I want to get on fucking stage and, and be a monster like those guys. Well, now and, you're a monster. I practice in your rehearsal studio. <laughs> you own me, fucker. <laughs> I don't know about monster, but I lay down the old four on the floor <laughs> once in a while. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so whenever whenever we started working with Jordan, which we we knew each other, but we weren't like friends. Right. Um, I was nervous like to go in and start tracking with him because I mean, just because I had that much respect for, you know, what he had done musically. No, I get that. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and uh, so, I mean, we hit it off, you know, pretty quick in the studio now. He's one of my best buds and um, we've done a lot of, lot of great work together and uh that whole wildwood album was um i I mean that's definitely the most proud i've ever been of an album it's a great record um and yes i've heard the whole thing i have heard appreciate it it's a great record and uh, i mean the drums are drums are but it's funny listening back (laughs) (laughs) you were just gonna (laughs) he didn't just fucking say that thanks (laughs) That means so much to me. So I looked up to you when I was a kid, and uh, <laughs> fucking douche. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fuck you. But no, seriously, that, that's a huge compliment coming from one of the best drummers in the uh, local scene here. 
I know you ain't talking about me. I am, buddy. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. No, the uh, jokes aside, that record is really good. I remember it's kind of funny because we were doing Willow Creek, which was 100% covers, and then you guys came out, same personnel, two guitars, bass player, guy and a girl singer and a drummer, mm-hmm. and Todd and I went, the fuck are these dudes? And it starts <laughs> with a, d- fuck them. <laughs> and they took a picture in the same spot we did. Oh, yeah. Fuck I remember them. That. <laughs> We hated you. And then, I remember the uh, the big debacle over the Will. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, not Willow. What? what no, the, it was Willow uh, Creek. No, it was Willow Creek. But what was the name of the? Oh, I don't remember. Locust Grove. Yes, Locust Grove. Like, oh, everybody took a, and then everybody like everybody's like, oh, we took a picture there too, and like everybody in the newsfeed, like every band had <laughs> yep. a picture there. It was hilarious. You know, it was all in the same spot. <laughs> um, but the, the the coolest part about it is we hated you, which is not cool. But because the coolest part is coming. Todd and I actually sat down and listened to your record, and after it came out, fuck, those guys are really good. <laughs> Shit. That's a really good fucking record. Shit. <laughs> okay, we don't hate him anymore. <laughs> but it was funny because what it, the only reason I'm bringing that up, the irony of it is people forget that when you're in your circle, in your world, mm-hmm. you don't have a fucking clue what's going on in the going on down the street a mile from you yeah much less in the same city you don't have a fucking clue Mm -hmm. there's no way that you knew what we were doing and we knew what you were doing yeah Uh, it's literally impossible we had no clue and you guys were original but i mean nobody knew that we were building this and you guys were building that that was aesthetically the same thing Mm -hmm. we had no fucking clue yeah we weirdly we came out around the same time yeah um we like i wasn't out i didn't even know anybody in the country scene i didn't know, i mean i don't even know there was a country scene willow creek was I my first it, country band i think it had just kind of started the uh, the country i guess scene in quotation marks the country bands were starting to do well they were starting to pick up yeah um it kind of started with blackbird county uh well for me not the scene but um so I started to see meet a couple of people who were also right. doing stuff, but Kevin came from doing like funk and you know like R and B ish kind of stuff. Which um, that shit too. John He's great. Came from the rock world. Scott was from rock. So like it was new for all of us. Oh yeah. Um, Willow Creek was the same way for me. It was all new. Colleen was in uh, Bourbon Country or something, which. Bourbon Country, I think it's Bourbon, maybe Bourbon County. Fuck, I don't know. Bourbon something. <laughs> <laughs> Kentucky Bourbon. Just bourbon, <laughs> bourbon something music and uh, and Blackbird. Because I knew them because we played a couple shows together. Right. Um, I had played a couple times with Jesse Dale, Jesse Shelton now. Well, I guess no. No. Still Jesse Dale. She went back to Jesse Back Dale. to Jesse Dale. <laughs> <Hit> it. <laughs> Whoops. It. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Sean, well, sh- her and Sean were together. Yeah, Sean played in Sabrosa and in the Clear. Mm-hmm. I, I'd known Sean forever. We did a couple of little shows here and there, so that was kind of my first run at country. Um, so, so yeah, we didn't really know what what all was going on. We just started writing music in a basement, right? Um, met up with Jordan, and uh, this had this was a see. He did the uh, beginning beginning. Oh no, he did all of uh, Centerfold. No, Teague did the first thing, a center vote. Then they went to Jordan. So mm-hmm. that's how we knew he had a studio. This was the beginning stages of his studio. Right. 
Um, so, so we tracked with him and, um, started doing a couple shows here and there and, and, uh, got some, got some love and had some haters out there. So I was like, well, at least we're doing something right. The guys in Willow Creek hate us. We did. We hated you. <laughs> Whoever but, the fuck those old guys are over but, there. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> but at least now you're talking you know. to you, Todd. Oh, just playing. I love you. Todd is old. Todd, I will never be as old as you. <laughs> but now you know. Yeah, but at least now you know why we hated you. And, and uh, I'll never be as old as you, Todd. No matter what happens, I'll never be as old as you. I'll be your hey, age. Just, Todd's just, just one more good-looking bald guy in the scene, though. Todd is pretty. We we gotta we all gotta stick together. I know. I've I, I have a beanie on today because it's fucking cold outside. I know it. It's weird. All three of my hairs were shivering when I came outside. <laughs> Put the damn hat on. <laughs> now, why did uh, why did Wildwood split? It, did, is it one of those things that just fizzled? And I've talked about it on my show from my end because it was the same time period and we were kind of doing the same thing. Willow Creek ended because Todd and I fucked it up. And he's admitted it. I've mm-hmm. admitted it. We're not throwing each other under the bus. We just made wrong decisions. It was the first band I tried to run, yeah. and Todd and I ran it together. Um but as far as me trying to run a band, whether I had a team or not, is irrelevant. It was the first time I'd ever tried to do it. Yeah. And I made a lot of bad decisions. And Todd did too. And it it just, it didn't work. And it, for me, it was kind of sad because as short as it was, our first show out of the gate was the 50th anniversary block party for the Actors Theater in front of 8,000 people. Oh, shit. It was our first fucking show. Damn. Yeah. So I came out of the gate, not not only swinging, I came out of the gate with a fucking tank. Let's go, bitches. <laughs> We're going to get, fuck yeah. And I got a lot of work off of that, but we fucked it up. Yeah. So what happened to Wildwood? Why did it end? Well, um, John Eiger. <laughs> I'll edit that out. <laughs> well. Maybe one I of the, won't. <laughs> one of the reasons, yeah. Um, no, seriously. There. There were several. Um, we had kind of... Well, John left the band before I did. Um, oh, really? See, I didn't know that. So we had went through some lineup changes. Um, Stacy King came on early on, and she she was on the record. Right. Um, we went down to Nashville. We did a showcase, and um, they are like, you guys are great. Stacy just didn't seem they said she didn't they didn't feel like she fit because she was like you know running around on stage and and being i guess a little too much for lack of a better term but right um so we took that and we was like well she's holding us back which looking back now i don't think i love she's like my sister and we've we've had this conversation you know before so um i love her to death and and i think she was a vital part and i think when we when we parted ways with her, that was really when we started to to take take a nosedive. Uh, right. It was a combination of a couple things. Um, Stacy, we we got rid of Stacy. We uh, stopped writing music. We became we when we started off, we were an original band that played covers. Right. So, you know, I had covers sprinkled in. Then we became a cover band that had original sprinkled in. Yeah. And once we got to that point, um, we kind of lost our drive. We stopped rehearsing. We were rehearsing two to three or two times a week, and then that became one. Then somebody be like, "Oh, I can't make it tonight." I, 
we another thing was everybody had fourteen other side projects they were doing. Right. Um and then um John left. He was he was frustrated with not um putting out new music. Um once we got a taste of money, because uh, in the <laughs> rock world, I never made a dime. Fuck I, I no. played for ten years and I paid to play. Like I, I didn't make any money. I made more money in my first six months of playing covers than I did in almost twenty years of playing originals. I'll guarantee it. True fucking story. It's not an exaggeration at all. Our first country gig, we played. I don't know, two or three hours set. Played some covers. Played some originals. I was packing up my shit, and the owner walked up, and he gave me this piece of paper. I was like, what's this? He's like, this is a check for what you all did. I was like, what? Exactly. paid? Wait, what? <laughs> is this going to bounce? Like, <laughs> I really get to cash this? I made $100. I was like, holy shit. Uh, yeah, I've, I, I, I know that feeling. So, um, so then it got up to where we were making um, – Decent you know, money. we're getting girl. I don't know how gigs. We're getting girl inside gigs. We were getting girl. I don't know how funeral gigs. Right. And I just, I kind of think we lost, lost our original vision of the band. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know any of the business ha- aspect of it. It kind of was kind of like going back to day one. Like I didn't know the brands. I didn't know this right different. You know, uh, different sizes of sticks. Or not same thing with this. I didn't know. I didn't know management or marketing uh booking pictures yeah i didn't know anybody so like um there wasn't anybody really taking on that role usually that's i guess maybe that's a role of of like a lead singer um and and not a not a stab at kev or or john or anybody but they they didn't take that initiative right so so i did um i had been fired you know after being fired from from blackbird county and and got shunned out of some gigs with with John where, you know, I, I'm a drummer, I'm replaceable. So my my mindset is I'm going to make myself so valuable that you cannot replace me. <laughs> At the same time, I got to hold my end of the deal up. I have to right. learn my craft, show up, you know. Do your fucking job. Play the songs correctly, right. you know. No, um, I, 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 I know that you noticed the – maniacal smile that <laughs> came across my lips because I too now think that way. Yeah. Which is part of the reason why I control everything. And I don't, I don't mean I control it in a shitty way. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody has to be the final decision maker. Yeah. Period. If you leave it a 100% true democracy or voting pool, none of those are political terms, by the way, <laughs> fuck off. Um, but if you leave it that way, you're never going to get anything resolved. Right. Somebody has to be the asshole, mm. period. Yeah. It, end of fucking story. And it took me a long time to figure that out. Mm. I just chose to, to take it on myself because I'm kind of naturally a dick. <laughs> well, and the only reason I'm naturally yeah. a dick is because I don't, I don't care how the weather is outside. I'll go outside. I don't care how your mom and them are. I'll never meet them. I, that <laughs> small details like that drive me nuts. Mm-hmm. I, it's always driven me nuts. Yeah, and it doesn't. And people perceive that to be I'm an asshole or I'm a dickhead. No, I just don't fucking care about shit that doesn't matter to me. Yeah. If I mean, unless you need something, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but when it comes to a band, if you really look at from time of inception till time of first show. Out of all the things you do, out of all the rehearsals you have, out of all the preparation you do and all the conversations you have and all the meetings and all the planning, 
how much of that shit really matters that you guys just talked about for the last, we'll call it a year. Mm-hmm. Does all of it matter? Nope. Mm-mm. Fuck no, it doesn't. But if you don't have that one person to go, stop talking about that. That doesn't matter. I'm on a time schedule. We have to get this done now. Yeah. That's where the asshole part has to come into play. It's the right. same thing in any fucking business. Oh, yeah. The buck has to stop somewhere. And Absolutely. I just decided to take the role on because I'm good at it. I'm good at filtering out the bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's definitely the role that I took with Wildwood. Um, Scott was my right-hand man. He kind of dealt with the finances, which which helped me because, I mean, that's his forte. Right. Um, I was always out politicking, like constantly – shaking hands and kissing babies and uh if if i wasn't gigging i mean at this point you know i was i was single no kids i was out i was out meeting the other bands right watching what they're doing what's working what's not working and then uh meeting venue owners meeting radio peeps and in doing that i've made a lot of great connections that you know you meet one person and that's going to lead you to five other people oh for sure and um the same thing. I did the same thing. Yeah. So it's just so important to establish those relationships. And it's funny because I think that's how dad, everybody knows Jer Bear because I always drug him along <laughs> with me to all this shit. So um, he. Uh, Come on, dad. We're going to go do some shit. Aside from being a roadie, uh, you know, I, I drug him to shows. And, and back, like I said, back in the day, he didn't. He hated when I played drums. You know, I couldn't play when I while he was home, right? Because I was playing that rock shit and that rap <laughs> shit. And when I was doing the hip hop rock stuff, he was like, "Nah." And then I, he's like, "Why don't you ever do country?" I was like, "Nobody plays country around here." And then one day, somebody started playing country, and he was all and in. Then Dad's like, "All right, let's do it." So, um, so he he was kind of like Wildwood's mascot. Like he came came to every show and. uh we we got to do a lot of cool stuff with Wildwood. I mean, we switched out some members. Uh, I know everybody is like, oh, how many members were there in Wildwood? Well, uh, 47. <laughs> the number is always 47. 47, yes. yes. And uh, and we, we hit, on, hit on this a little bit before we uh, started recording. But um, it, it's been difficult to fire people that you're close to. Um, so, well, most of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but really like I, I i always say i've never really, i've never fired anybody they've always fired herself whether it was with wildwood or revival um i mean so, sometimes people have to make difficult decisions um, right there's a point where you have to not only yeah like yes this is a band it's fun i enjoy doing it but i want to go to the next level and in doing that it's a business oh for sure and if you don't have that mindset um if you're not showing if you're not prepared, if you're not learning the material, if you're not showing up to practice, if you're not sober on stage, if you're For the love of God, if and if you're doing anything that reflects negatively on the brand, that I mean, it's just like any other job. Like you got to go, you got to go. And well, and here and here's another thing too. And I think people tend to forget this, um, just from an observational standpoint. Even if you don't want to get to the next level. If you can make money playing music, then the music can pay for itself. Absolutely. Gear is fucking expensive. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows this. So even if you don't want to, quote, get to the next level, you just want to gig out once or twice a month, 
you're pay it's paying for itself. You're not coming out of pocket. Right. So there's that aspect of it also yeah. that, that I think a lot of people forget. Well, I don't fucking do it for the money. No, but I, I bet it would be nice to not have to spend $180 on two drum heads. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I bet that would be nice if that you had the awesome. money coming from somewhere. Yeah. It could pay for itself. Yeah. So. And I always I always try to throw that in for people. Not you, because yeah, you yeah. get it. But a lot of people don't get that. They're oh, I never fucking thought about that. Yeah, no shit, dickweed. Probably That's right. I went eighties and said dickweed. <laughs> probably the same people that have been playing for twenty years and was like, You can tune drums? <laughs> wow. Holy shit. I don't know what this key that was on the top of my kick drum. I just thought it was supposed to go in that hole and bounce around when I kicked the kick drum. Uh <laughs> All right, kids, Jake wins for the day. I got nothing. You win, brother. <laughs> Insert a round of applause. You win. I, I will find a soundbite for that because you win. That's awesome. Anyway, so after Wildwood, you didn't take a break. You just, right? I, l- I left Wildwood uh, because I got hired with Jericho Woods. That's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, their drummer, Pierce, got hired by Chris Jansen, um, who is who sings the uh, "Buy Me a Boat" song. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, so I I'd met Jericho Woods a couple man, years prior. Yeah, man, love those guys. Super talented. Um, a lot of great songs. Uh, they were touring all over the place. Had a lot of good stuff. They had a, a video on CMT at the time. Um, and I went and jammed with them, and we I think we made it three songs in. And I was super nervous because, I mean, I i had to, like, woodshed for, like, two days straight, like, trying to get these songs ready because I'm right. like, hey, it's Monday. Uh, we're going to we're gonna have an audition Thursday if you want the gig. And I was like, fuck. I was like, all right, cool. Send me a couple songs. <laughs> Send me 15. <laughs> like, fuck, all originals. I was like, god damn it. All right, so – uh, I've I've done that to myself. As soon as you look at the list, you go, <laughs> motherfucker, <laughs> cancel life for the next seventy two hours. Nowadays, if somebody's like, "Hey, we need to fill in," I'm like, "Send me your set list, and then I'll review it and I'll give you an answer." Because uh, so many times I've been like, "Yeah, I'll do it," and I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> I do the same thing." I hate all these songs. I am not playing those. <laughs> no, I do the same thing. <laughs> so so Jericho Woods, uh, they're they're all from uh, like Irvington, Kentucky, which mm-hmm. is. About an hour away. Right. Um, they had a cool little practice spot down there. So drove down, set up, and uh, we made it through like three songs. And Josh put his guitar down. I was like, well, I guess I suck. <laughs> tearing my shit down. He went over and got three uh, Miller Lite Tall Boys, or as they call them, Diet Millers. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's good. <clears throat> Cracked him up. He said, all right, you're in if you want it. And I was like, all right, let's do it. I was like, when's our first show? He's like, tomorrow. Next Thursday. <laughs> Here's four hours of music. Have fun. And Damn. so talk about woodshedding. And so I drove. I would get off work and drive to rehearsal. And then so I'd get off at four, drive to rehearsal, rehearse three or four hours, drive home. I did that for like a week straight. And then we hit the road, played Nashville, and uh, then went to Florida. We played a festival down there. Um that was the most nerve wracking week of my life. And, uh, just cause I, I wasn't comfortable enough with the songs yet. Right. So, uh, like I said, I, I'll play in front of whoever. I don't give a shit. 
as long as I'm prepared. I hate not being prepared. That I is the too. one thing yep. that that really uh, I'm the same way. Like really gets to me. So played with them. I was with them for six, seven months, maybe. Um, their touring schedule was picking up, and they wanted me to go full time because I was still working full time during the week, leaving right after work, hopping on a van touring all weekend, getting back late Sunday night and going back to work. Right. And at this time, Lyric was Lyric was just born. She was only maybe, let's see, September. She maybe five or six months old. And I just had to make a decision of, was I going to miss a bunch of her first? Also, they wanted me to, um, they're like, hey, our schedule's picking up. We need you full time. And the money just didn't justify me doing that. I know so, you don't remember, but if you see the look on my face while I'm nodding super, super hard, <laughs> I messaged you about that gig when you announced yeah, it. I yeah. said, hey, <laughs> what's the deal with this gig? And that was the first yeah. thing you said, dude, yeah. I know you well enough to know the money's not going to be enough for you. Yep. And I went, I read what you wrote and I went, oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, which I I love those guys. We're all still real, real close. And um now they, they're still they, doing their thing though, right? They well, they took a I think at the end of last year they kind of went on hiatus. I don't know if they'll be back. I know they're doing I know Josh is doing some solo stuff and uh Paul went back to the radio. Um Anna who was playing fiddle for us, she's she just opened up um the old Kentucky she bought the old music center that used to be in New Albany. Right. And uh they were opening that up but that all fell right before all this shit hit so i don't know right if that's in limbo right now or not and then uh aaron who was playing guitar he moved to nashville and he's uh touring they they were touring uh whatever band he's with now was touring with alan jackson so uh so all talented folks and doing a lot of great stuff and a lot of great memories with those, uh, you know, riding in the van for those six months, and uh, <laughs> it was hot. It stunk, and um, isn't that the most bizarre life thing? <laughs> yeah. When you're in the middle of it, you fucking hate it, and you, you're you oh my god, I'm like, over it. it. I don't want to do this. And exactly. And then when it's gone, two three months later, you're thinking to yourself, man, I really want to be back on the road. Yeah, I really I miss, miss that old stinky van. We had a van. <laughs> the van was named Elmo. <laughs> It was an old Dodge van. Like, it was old. It was, it was one of them old white Dodge vans. Like, you didn't know if the Amish were pulling up, if it was a van, or if somebody was getting raped. Like, it was just, <laughs> it was really questionable. <laughs> and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, uh, turned heads on that van. And then a lot of people running away, especially little kids. So, uh, but it was, it was fun, man. And, and, um, uh, when I came home, John approached me about doing another project and I was like, no, no, not again. And then a couple of times I was like, okay, let's just, re- let's, could we, we, <laughs> we had a couple, well, what, okay. more than a couple. <laughs> okay, let's do it, I guess. Let me go this shit again. So we, we had like, uh, you learned the first 47 times. Man, I should have. You, you would think I would have. See, I learned after the first time. <laughs> nope, not again. <laughs> so we had, we had about 10 songs that we had that we wanted to record. Right. And I was like, let's just track those songs and have them recorded. And then that's it. So we put together a group to record them. And then we ended up doing some shows and, and then we, 
we ended up having a good run uh, with Revival. We had I took what I did right with Wildwood and what I did wrong, learned from what I did wrong. Oh, for sure. And I was able to move Revival a lot faster. We we covered way more ground than with Wildwood because I knew more, you know, coming into the game. Right. And I'm I'm not going to go off on a tangent because I've already done tangents enough, not only in this episode, but about gas money on my previous shows. But I did that with gas money. I took mm-hmm. everything I'd learned right and wrong, shoved it all forward, and got gas money up and running pretty quick. Yeah. And by the time gas money ended, we were doing probably 90% corporate and private shit. We were yeah. still doing bars, don't get me wrong, yeah. but I had somehow maneuvered us into that world where I wanted to be anyway. Yeah, the big money world. Yeah, the big money world. <laughs> <laughs> the good money world. Yes, you are not wrong, um, sir. Yeah, and uh, we were we were able to... It was a lot easier from what I remember being like, hey, I play for Wildwood, and then being like, who? At yeah. the beginning stages. Yeah. I'd be like, who are you? To being like, hey, I'm Revival... I'm with Revival. Some of the guys from Wildwood are new. Band. Oh, Wildwood! I remember you guys. Yeah, we're going to book you. Right. Or I had a previous relationship mm-hmm. established, so it was a lot easier to get gigs. All that stuff is important, kids. Don't piss off anybody on the way up, and Don't. if you piss them off, make sure you apologize. Oh yeah. <laughs> Don't burn a bridge. No. Some of us are good at it. Yeah. <laughs> Some of us try to put those fires out yeah some of us try to build a bridge under the bridge <laughs> while we're putting the fire out because we don't want that bridge to. some go of away. us are under the bridge with floaties trying to <laughs> still get to the other side <laughs> ozzy said my favorite one of my favorite quotes about daddy um and i know i joke about the doing the british accent but i can't nobody can talk like ozzy <laughs> but he said be careful who you fuck on the way up the ladder because you're gonna have to climb over them on the way back down <laughs> that's true and I mean, whether it's, you know, you're on, on national scale or, or even local, I mean, it, yeah. it all applies. Oh, and, for sure. Um, I've always, I mean, looking back, there's probably a few people that, that make that same noise that you made when we mentioned somebody else earlier, but whenever they hear mm. my name, yeah, that ugh, Jake Badger, mm. Ugh, mm. that Jake Badger. Mm. <laughs> and I think a lot of people, <laughs> he ain't got have, no gas in him. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I think there's a lot of people that that we probably had that moment where they probably... Oh, dude, I have so many but people now that hate cool. me or, or don't like me or think I'm this or think I'm that, and 90% of them don't know me. Yeah. Don't know me well enough oh, to yeah. make that assumption. And I'm, a, I'm for the record, looking at you and for my show, I don't care. Mm. If you want to take the time to get to know me, awesome. If you don't and you have a preconceived judgment... That's awesome. I'm going to go make money. You're going to stay in your fucking bedroom and be pissed off that yeah. we're out here making money. Yeah. And we're out here doing shit. Absolutely. If you want to sit there and be a keyboard hater, shove your phone up your ass for all of me. I don't <laughs> care what the fuck you do. It doesn't affect yes, me. Yes. There's a lot of those. Yeah. So that's in that doesn't even anger me. That's to me that's just a in my head. Mm-hmm. That's just a fact. Oh yeah. You're a douche. You want to get to know me? I'll sit down with anybody and have a conversation. Yeah, yeah. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, man, me too, and and I mean, really, the only like I said, and it, I hate that how some things have landed over the years, but uh, it is what it is, man. <laughs> but I I have I hold myself to a higher standard, and I expect everybody else in my project to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's a couple of guys like uh, like Justin Collenberg and Lance Martin who play in my band now. Mm-hmm. Those dudes all the time they they're they're on point. I mean, just prepared, right? Show up, kill it, 
sober. They they looked apart. Gotcha. We have never butted heads. Right. <laughs> I love those dudes. And <laughs> and uh, thank you for being human. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, if Justin and Lance, you know, you guys know I love you. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for your service. Justin and Lance, I think I might have met each one of you once. Um, yeah, it's, what he said. <laughs> it's Scott's the same way too. Which Scott, we just brought Scott into revival um, right before all this shit hit. So. Nice. I've only played with Scott once. I did a fill-in gig, um, and I don't even remember the band, and it's it's irrelevant because it was years ago. Um, but we have unfortunately, just musically speaking, unfortunately, we've never crossed paths again. But that gig was a last-minute fill-in for me. Um, and he knew who I was, and I kind of knew who he was, but he was not only ridiculously cool, but he was able to walk me through everything. Yeah. Now, granted, and I say this with arrogance, I have to preface everything now because people get so goddamn offended. Fuck yourself. <laughs> um, I'm a pro enough to, I can go into any situation and sit down and fucking play. Mm-hmm. As long as I at least know 80, 75 to 80% of the tunes, yeah. I can get through a gig. Yeah. But there was a few weird things here and there. And, and uh, the singer, I'm trying to remember who the fuck it was. Doesn't matter. If I remember, I'll put it in the pre or post, whatever. <laughs> um, but there was a couple of weird things the singer was doing and there was transitions and he was just going to, he started playing not thinking it's his show. Yeah. So I get it. I'm not mad at it. I wasn't mad at him, but it was not thinking that he's got a sub behind him. Mm-hmm. So Scott would walk me through everything. And I thought that was cool because yeah. I've been in that situation where the other guys don't walk you through. When you fuck it up, they're going, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Motherfucker, I didn't know you were going <laughs> to switch songs in the middle of a song. I didn't know you learned, didn't learn the record. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me to. Yeah. I was playing the record version. Yeah. There's that too. So yeah, yeah I, I get that. Scott's an awesome dude. Yeah, man. And, uh, those guys are because I get called a lot to, um, you know, people like, hey, I'm, I got somebody coming to Louisville that needs a band behind them, or I'm doing a show, I don't have a band, I need a band behind me, we don't have time to rehearse, here's the songs. Right. And I mean, most of those times I'm like, oh, I'm booked that day, I'm sorry, but uh, if, if, if we get put in a situation like that, there's only a handful of folks I call. Right. Scott, Justin, like, I can call them and be like, hey, here's the songs. And uh, I know that we can show up and play those songs without ever getting together. Right. And and be fine. And be fine, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, it just, just goes to show, you know, their, their commitment and the work they put into. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I'm picky about who I play with and who – who I make refer- referrals to. No, I, I get it. Which you're I, one of my referrals. Oh, thanks, Pumpkin. You're, <laughs> you're one of my own team. Uh, I refer, there's only two or three drummers in town I refer. Uh, Ryan Murphy, you, and uh, I would I would recommend Jeff Jarbo for anything, but Jeff's very selective with what he takes. Mm-hmm. Um, that dude's a fucking monster. Yeah. And I never refer Max or any of those guys because they've been around forever. Oh, yeah. Um, and they have their own, they're so locked into their own projects. They don't, mm-hmm. They don't do a whole lot of side shit. Yeah. Um, but it, going back to what you said a second ago, I was very selective when I formed the Swerve. Mm-hmm. There was, I got everybody I wanted, almost. There were bumps that presented itself along the way that were out of my control. Yeah. So I made some changes, but when I first formed it, I got it. every first pick I wanted was who I got. Yeah. And I was very, very selective of who I wanted and why I wanted them. Yeah. Um, and oddly there's only the the core of the swerve is me brian and joey mm. um 
I mean, and, and you guys go back and listen to the Swerve episode. You get what I'm talking about. Um, but I, I only bring that up because I know exactly what you're talking about. When you get that, there's that core or or the group, just depending. Because most, most bands will have either a, like we were just talking about earlier, the, that king shit. Yeah. Ah, I remembered <laughs> it. Um, the buck stops with us or they'll have the core. For example, there's this guy and then there's the right hand man or whatever. Um, so that would be the core. And that, I think as long as you, from what I've learned in my experience, as long as you have that and you can build that foundation of whether it's you and a partner or you and two or three other people in the band, mm-hmm. you can fucking do anything you want to. Yeah. That's my thought process. Mm-hmm. Because you've got the immediate, the other the other thing it brings is you have the immediate accountability. For example, Joey and Brian are my rights and lefts. Mm-hmm. Depending, they can be switched out, it doesn't matter. But if I do something, they will call my shit fast. Yeah. And I and but I need that and I appreciate it. And vice versa. If oh, they yeah. do something, I'll call them on it. Mm-hmm. And you need that accountability. Now it it doesn't really happen as far as the swerve is concerned. There's no bad blood in the band, so don't even fucking start texting me, you bastards. Um but I think that that is super important. Yeah. It's it's why Wildwood ended. It's why one it's part of the reason why Willow Creek ended. Mm-hmm. I think people again, it's the small it's a big thing, but it's a small detail people forget about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with um with Wildwood, I mean, we had so many talented folks in there and um uh, it definitely made me a better player playing with those guys and I think we we all held each other accountable for the for the longest part. Right. But when we stopped is kind of when it started to fall apart. Yeah, it just and became a, a mundane routine. There and like I said, there wasn't really one <sighs> One, you know, golden reason why it crumbled. It was just kind of, you know, a multitude of things. But, um, I mean, it's tough. It's tough, you know, being a band's cool and and being on stage and playing in front of a lot of people is awesome. But it's a lot of fucking work. The work that goes behind (laughs) it, man. Like, people don't realize that they no. oh, you get paid for playing music. I'm like, no, I don't. No, I get paid for the other... I get paid for nine thousand things yep. behind it. Like what you see me do on stage, that's the part I do for free. Yeah, I get paid for all the other shit, <laughs> and it, it's it's crazy. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I finally took the leap to play music full time, um, like uh, back in November. Right, I and, remember that. Uh, picked a hell of a time to do it. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I'm gonna do music full time. God's like, oh yeah, here comes a pandemic. <laughs> That's okay. You you already know this, and and my 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 peeps know this. Um, I just uh, Stacy and I decided we were going to go back into the service industry full time in February. Yeah, <laughs> great timing. Great timing. <laughs> so that brings us to the to a somber part about this. You you wanted to talk about this, and you can take as much or as little time as you want. But uh, you recently lost your dad to this whole black plague shit. Yeah, it's uh, it's still surreal. I mean, from everything from losing dad to everything being shut down, right? Uh, it's just it it feels like a bad dream. Like you're like, I mean, no, you can't even go outside. You can't go to the restaurant or can't go anywhere. And, now uh, you it just feels weird. You obviously have it way worse because you lost your dad. So I'm not making light of it, but 
I tell Stacy every day I wake up, I go, the world just feels weird. Yeah. You agree with that? Absolutely. Besides, obviously, you losing your dad. Yeah, I mean, it definitely does. I mean, so, even if this didn't happen to dad, it, it would it still feels feel weird. weird. Yeah. yeah. It feels like there's just, a, uh, I like what you said, a dream, but it's, there's a different vibe in the air. Mm-hmm. It's just fucking weird. It's like, it reminds me of, uh, you ever see the old, like the pictures of like old abandoned like amusement parks or, mm-hmm. or, uh, was it like Chernobyl? Like those? Oh, yeah. Where yeah. Like everybody's abandoned. Like, it just kind of feels like there's like, like that mood <laughs> and like this haze just over everything that we just can't seem to, to break out of. And yeah, it's weird. Hopefully it'll be over soon. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's been obviously it's been a long few weeks. Um, uh, what my last show was in Nashville, March 20 something. It was right before, Everything started getting shut down. Right. We played in Nashville that on Saturday, on Sunday night, the mayor shut Broadway down. Right. So it was I mean, it was right before. Um and we, we didn't know if we was gonna be able to play our gig because it was SEC weekend. They can't first they said fans couldn't go to the game. Mm-hmm. Then they canceled it all together. So we was mm-hmm. like, Well shit, nobody's gonna be in Nashville. And uh so we went down anyway. Uh, gig was still on. Uh, Dad rode with me, and then my fiance Sierra and and my daughter Lyric rode in separate cars because they were going to Florida. All right. Um, she had to go. My fiance works in Florida, and they had to go down after, um, after the Nashville show. So, um, played the show, stayed in Nashville, drove back Sunday night. A um, couple days later, Dad started getting sick. Um, they started shutting everything down and, and me and him were both talking like, like this is all media hype. Just some, I mean, cause you've seen the shit in the past with SARS and Ebola, and, right? you know, it always happens other countries and never gets here. Never and, happens to us. And, right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, then all of our shows started getting canceled. Um, I just started a new series at, uh, Tin Roof called Derby City Made mm-hmm. uh, that got pulled. Um, so all of my income was gone, was gone. And, uh, mine too, <laughs> <laughs> which sucked. Cause we were just getting that, starting to break out of the slow season and starting right. to pick up. Yep. And, um, I had two or three shows booked on four street. One of them was thunder. I was playing oh, four man. street on thunder. It's like one of the ultimate gigs. Fuck. Yeah, I know. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. So, um, luckily, uh, I'm, I'm still a reserve police officer. I have, uh, some off duty stuff that mm-hmm. I can still make some money on. Right. Uh, which has been a lifesaver. I'm super, th- super thankful that my sheriff allows us to do that. Cause some departments don't. Right. Um, so I was able to, uh, to keep working at the hospital of all places. And, um, dad progressed like his sickness just kept, it started out as a cold and, uh, you know, he was trying to take over the counter meds and just wasn't getting ahead of it. And this was, like I said, the beginning stages of all this. So I was like, I was like, come in and get checked. I was like, you know, you're not getting any better. Nothing's helping you. So he came in and got test, uh, got tested for the flu, came back negative. Um, they were out of the COVID test. At this point, they were getting five to 10 tests every three to four days. Right. Um, so they sent him home and told him to quarantine until the 5th of April. And, uh, and if he got worse to come back. So, um, dad and I talked every day, at least twice a day on the phone. 
um, not just when he was sick, but in general. And right. if he was either at our house or we were at his, he was always coming over for dinner. Hardly ever missed a show uh, ever since I started playing country. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't coming to that rock show. I ain't coming to that rock shit. I remember they came to one rock show at Headliners, and they were doing a mosh pit. And um, He was out. They were they were freaked out. My, my aunt was there. My dad's aunt. She's... She's in her 80s, and um, there was one song where we had uh, the crowd chant, fake motherfucker, fake motherfucker. <laughs> and I look out, and my aunt, my 80-year-old aunt's out there, going, fake motherfucker, fake motherfucker. And I was like, this is the best moment of my life. <laughs> Nothing will ever top this moment. <laughs> but that was the only rock show he went to, uh, probably because of said reason. So, Because uh, <laughs> of all those reasons right yeah. there. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, so he, you know, he was always at shows and stuff. So we, we spent a lot of time together. Uh, we got to take him on a tour bus, um, on a run back in December, which is something that we always talked that, about. I remember that bus. Yeah. Yeah. So. I saw that bus. <laughs> and, uh. You and I did stuff in that bus. We did. We, we took some steps. Mm, we did. We checked it out. We did. <laughs> Looked around, did a 180. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, we, we got to do a lot of cool stuff, and I was glad that he was be, able to be a part of it. Um, but having having him get sick like this, and then it happened so fast, like a few days, I guess a week after he initially went and got checked, he had, uh, like I said, we've been communicating, and he just kept getting worse. And I was like, I was like, look, you need to go back and get checked. And he's like, well, I don't want to pay that bill, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I don't give a shit about the bill. Right. We'll figure that out. And I finally was like, I'm going to come get you. And I, the last text, well, it's not the last text he sent me, but he sent me a text like that night. And he was like, um, he's like, I'm not getting better. And uh, it's really getting to me. So I was like, all right, you're going back to the hospital. And we was actually doing a um, Facebook Live show here in the, in the stage room. So I was like, hey, I, I got to bounce. I'm going to take Dad to the hospital. And went, picked him up. And I had uh, I had some masks and stuff that the Sheriff's Department had given us. Um, so I put a mask on and gloves, went to his house, and um, he came out. I had him face away from me and put a mask on him. All right. Opened the opened my truck door, had him sit down, and was like, "Just try not to touch anything that you know, unless necessary, just to you know, if in case you do have it, so it's a smaller area that you're you know going to contaminate." Right. Um, he didn't say a whole lot on the way to the hospital. He was just kind of he was he was out of breath. He just from walking from the doorstep to the truck, he was you know whimpering. So at this point, his oxygen levels were really low. Um, pulled up to the ER, he walked in, uh, got him checked in and there wasn't anybody that could visit him or, or be there. There's, there's no visitors allowed in the hospital. So, uh, he sat there in a the waiting room by himself for a few minutes and I went in the security office and waited for him. Uh, and then he got admitted. So I went home. He now wait, 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 what time of day was this? Why was there nobody in the waiting room? Is this because there, this was, this was after April. This was March 29th. Okay, okay, never mind. So uh, the waiting, the hospitals have been pretty empty. Okay. Basically, they've 
Clear, oh, I knew they were now. Out. I just couldn't remember how it was like in the end of March, beginning yeah. of April. Uh, for the most part, they've cleared them out. Okay. So they could have more space for the COVID patients. Right. Um, so dad was the only one sitting in the, in the waiting room and, and he hates doctors and not, he don't, you know, you know, and, and he's passed that along to me. I don't, <laughs> I don't go to the doctor. Like I could blow my arm off and I'd be like, all right, somebody give you some duct tape. I'm not going to the ER. So, um, so he was sitting there and they took him back pretty, pretty quick. Cause they're, you know, there wasn't a long wait or anything luckily. So, um, they, I talked to one of the nurses, they got him on oxygen and, and said, I think his oxygen levels were like only at 70% when he came in. Oy. So, um, he got admitted. So I went home. I was like, uh, I talked to him a little bit and I said, like, call me and get to your room. Well, they sent him up to the ICU and, uh, he called me. He's like, I got to my room. Uh, everybody's been super nice. Uh, he's like, I felt like I was in a bad car wreck or something. He's like, everybody came in and they had these big suits on and you know, it's like shit out of a movie. Right. And, uh, but me working there, they all know that, uh, they all know who, who I am. It's like, Oh, are you Jake's dad? Blah, blah, right. And they were cutting up with him. So, uh, made him feel a little more comfortable. Um, he had gotten, they put him on some oxygen and started an IV with some fluids and some medicine. And he sounded better just in, you know, he'd been there for a few hours. And I was like, well, you sound better. I was like, you know, I was like, try to get some rest because I knew he hadn't been sleeping very well. I was like, you know, you got some oxygen too. So I was like, just call me in the morning and, and let me know how you're doing. And he's like, all right. Told him I loved him. And that was the last time I talked to him. The next morning, they put him on a, put him on a, a intubator. They intubated him. Right. Put him on a ventilator and he was on a ventilator for nine days. Um, even I wasn't even like freaked out the first when that happened or the first couple of days because all the COVID patients had been put on the, you know, ventilator and lasted, you know, it might, they might be on there for four or five days and then they were sending a lot of them home at first. Right. Um, where they were fine. So, um, we had seen several like that at least for the ones who were healthy because dad was healthy before he got sick and he didn't have any underlying issues. Right. Um, so I was like, well, you know, he'll come out of it a couple of days. Well, then his kidneys, he's like, has he had kidney problems? I was like, not to my knowledge. I've never heard him mention anything like that. So, uh, his kidneys started failing and something, you know, one thing after the next. Right. Um, they had him on constant dialysis, um, in his last couple of days. And, uh, it just got to a point where like he had so much shit going wrong with him. I was like, fuck, he ain't coming home. Like, this is it. And, uh, you know, the nurses, they tried everything, but with this, with the COVID stuff, they just well now that, I mean, they know more now than they did, but at this stage it was just a guessing game. I mean, they were trying right. different stuff. They, they were trying the uh, hydrochlorine or whatever the hell it's called. Oh it's yeah. The malaria drug. Yeah. Uh, which they thought that was, I, I think they had had a couple successful patients with that, but now they're saying that does more harm than good. And now uh, I read a thing the other day where it says uh, the ventilators are doing more damage um, that they should just be put like on a CPAP because hmm. uh, it spreads, I guess it spreads it more throughout your body. Cause I guess uh, what I, from what I understand the, uh, COVID attacks your oxygen 
a cell, the oxygen in your in your blood cells, right, and deprives the cells of oxygen. So that's what causes your lungs to shut down, or your organs to start shutting down because they're not getting any oxygen. Right. So uh, I was able to. Uh, they Facetime me, and and they, they was like, "Well, we want to give you a chance to say goodbye." And I was like, "Well, fuck!" I was like Facetime, like this is this is how it's gonna end. Yeah. Which he was still out, so I mean, it wasn't like I was talking to him. Right. <clears throat> so. Uh, I was like, do I have the option of coming there and being with him? And and she's like, we don't recommend it because it's dangerous. And she's like, but you can have two people um, if a patient is actively dying. I was like, all right, I'm on my way. So I picked up my little brother, and uh, we had to gear up in all the PPE. And uh, my brother stayed for about an hour, then he left. And I was like, because if you leave, you can't come back. Like, it, you're done. So... I was like, fuck it, I'm in for the long haul. I'm either going to be here for a couple hours or going to be here for 16 days until Dad gets discharged. So, Right. Uh, so uh, I, I was trying uh, – His he had AFib, so his heart rate was all over the place. Blood pressure was kind of, you know, going up and down. Um, so I was trying to, like, talk to him to see if I – you know, because they say, you know, when you're sedated, you can still hear. Sometimes you get a – right. So I played some uh, videos of lyrics saying, like, get better, Papaw, and, and stuff like that. I started... Which made my wife cry, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it's pretty hard to watch the video. Um, but then, uh, like, we was laying there, and I was like, it was just, all you hear was the beeping and shit, and I was like, I'm going to turn on some music, because that's, that's what I would want, and I know it's what he would want. And, right. He's the one that got me into this shit anyway because I used to jam Brooks and Dunn on the stereo. And I used to stand on my coffee table with a fake guitar and, and the rest is history. So uh, so I, I was little, playing... That little Jakey on the coffee table, he's so cute! <laughs> so I would play... Uh, I would play like a variety of songs. The nurses were probably like, what the fuck? Because... I feel like in most situations, people are probably like playing gospel music or something. Well, I would go from like, how great art thou uh, to, or how great thou art. I knew what you meant. Uh, yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to I always you. get that in the the uh, movie. Uh, what's the movie with George Clooney? Uh, damn it. I don't know. I'll have to look it up. You know what I'm talking about. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what brother, where art thou? Oh, That's yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I always mix uh, those two. Sure, you I do. said it the other day. I was like, "Oh, you mean that ain't right?" Whatever. And uh, <laughs> ain't got no gas in it. <laughs> so I would play that, and I'm like uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Cummings sang that. Uh, he recorded um, singing that song. Um, how great, how great thou are. And I played that for him. Andrew Asher played "Amazing Grace" on the acoustic guitar, which was really cool. Um, Stacy King sang. Hallelujah over the phone for him, which was cool. All right. Um, and then I played some of his favorite songs. Um, played some like Fleetwood Mac, some Joe Diffie. Uh, I played Beer Never Broke My Heart by Luke Combs. <laughs> so the, I'm sure the nurse was like, all right, what the hell is going on in there? <laughs> Funny story about that, real quick. The reason why I played that song, we started covering it uh, not long after it came out. And I was like, man, we're nailing that song and killing it. Crowd's loving it. 
dad's like, man, y'all do that song good, but you're missing one part. I'm like, well, you got pretty much everything. I don't know what, what part are you talking about? He's like, the shaker part. Uh, it's like, right, everything dies down. And you just hear, oh, gotcha. I wasn't doing that. And he's like, that makes the song. <laughs> I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? He's like, that makes the song right there. And like, you serious, Clark? He, he pissed me off. I was like, I, I nailed that damn song because there's a, a, a weird drum fill in it. And I sat there and worked on it forever till I got it down. I finally got it down, nailed it. He's like, yes. Yeah. So like, what'd you think of that? He's like, didn't play the shaker. I was like, mother. <laughs> so I went out and I bought a damn shaker. <laughs> Next gig, played the song. We get to that part and I just. I mean, I forearmed it up, and I, I stood up to make sure everybody heard that damn shaker. <laughs> so I, I was so excited. I went out uh, after the show. And I was like, Dad, I played that. Did you hear it? Hear what? I was like, you didn't hear the shaker part? He goes, oh, I was talking. I wasn't paying attention. I was like, you <laughs> So I made sure he uh, got to hear it one last time. Nice. And uh, Which he heard it. I, I made sure he was paying attention after like every show. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to play it just for you. <laughs> Shake the shit out of it. So, uh, so I played that and uh, a couple, I'm trying to think of some other songs I played, but I was tapping, I was like squeezing his hand and I was uh, squeezing the tempo. And every time like a new song would come on, like his heart rate would go up a little bit, blush blood pressure pick up not squeeze oh. and i was like nice. come on like anything like just to right like just pull through but it just got to a point where he had so much shit hooked to him i mean there was shit running from the hallway with the dialysis and the ventilator and, and there's so much stuff and um it was just i don't know just it, it all happened so fast and uh like we've been cleaning out his house for the last few days and and it it feels weird like i feel like we're moving shit around and dad's gonna come home soon and be pissed because all of his shit's gone <laughs> like, what y'all do with my shit and i would gladly move it all back uh right but and, and two like dad was such a he's so well liked uh always had a bunch of friends and stuff and and always laughed no matter what the situation was and cutting up and to not even be able to have a funeral for him. Like at first they were like, uh, all right, well you guys will just pull in the cemetery and, um, you get to see the coffin being put in the ground. All right. I was like, damn, it's pretty like disheartening. <laughs> and then they, to say the least. Yeah. And then they, they, uh, they ended up letting us, we can only have eight people in. And they gave us like a 15 minute showing. Right. Um, and then, then we got to sit in our car and watch him put him in the ground. And, uh, it was just crazy. Just like so surreal. Like, like the whole process of it was just, I mean, you couldn't be with him at the hospital. Couldn't have a funeral. Couldn't even hug your family members at the funeral. Right. Um, but in light of all of that, I guess the, the, the positive thing that's come out of this is I started sharing updates about dad's condition I would send like an update to like a, to the family. Right. And I had a lot of friends asking, you know, my friends and his friends asking how he was doing. So instead of sending out 1,900 text messages, 
I was I was starting you mean putting you them on Facebook. You didn't want to type that much. <laughs> <laughs> copy and paste, copy and paste. Uh, so uh, yeah, I just started sharing on Facebook, and it blew up. It blew up like mm-hmm. you know the first couple of them got several hundred likes, and and then that turned into a thousand, and then a thousand comments, and and like I'm I'm one of those guys like if you take the time to write on my page or acknowledge something, I'm gonna. Like I'll go through and thank you for every happy birthday you send me or right. or you know, like you know, give it a like button or something. But uh dad used to get tickled to death over like if I shared a picture of a lyric and it got a hundred likes, he'd call me and be like, Hey, that picture's you been on Facebook? hundred <laughs> likes. I'm like, Yeah, I saw that, Dad. And then, All right, just wonder if you watching. And then uh he'd call me back later. Hey, got two hundred likes, you watching you like it's not live TV. Like <laughs> I get notification. My phone you, dings every time somebody likes yeah, it. You watching? <laughs> but he gets so excited out over the littlest things, and right. Uh, I know he'd have been tickled to death to see how many people were, you know, commenting and rallying behind him, and right. Uh, change, you know, people change their picture to uh, the Team Jer Bear thing, and uh, people got shirts, and uh, I think, I think. That kind of gave, because it was such, you know, it happened in the early stages of this. Right. All you see on TV is, uh, you know, statistics and numbers and, you know, this and that. This kind of put a face to it. For sure. And it showed people that this virus is real and not just some government gimmick. And uh, which there's a whole other story there of how it got here and (laughs) if there's something else going on. But. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy to think that something that started in China killed my dad here in, in New Albany. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and, it's uh, nuts. And, you know, like I say, he's perfectly fine. And other than being a little top heavy, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it sucks. And it's, um, uh, it's still hard to, you know, every time you get like a funny video or something, somebody sends you, you want to shoot it to him or right. He spent a lot of time over here at the studio with me whenever we bought this place and helped me clean it up and move stuff around. And, um, like I said, he was always, um, at our shows. So, so losing dad, um, losing the, uh, pretty much the studio has been empty since all this stuff. Cause nobody's rehearsing. Everybody's afraid to get around each other. Motherfucker, I'm in here. I'm just saying. One of our loyal loyal <laughs> patrons. Uh, losing gigs. I was doing the booking thing, yeah. um, which, like I said, all was starting to pick up, and then it's all like somebody shit, just pulled yeah. the rug out from under us. Well, I, I will say this, um, because I can't – I mean, I know – obviously, I know what it's like to lose a loved one, but I can't speak what it's like to lose my dad because I have no clue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say – I didn't know your dad well. Actually, I didn't know him at all. I I met him a handful of times yeah. in passing just yeah. because of this and mm-hmm. other shows in the country for the kids and all that stuff. Yeah. So I didn't know him. But where I'm going with this is what I wanted to say to you. Um, nothing I say will, will matter to you except this because I think it's important. I have, out of all the people I've known in my life that I've been semi-close to to close to that have lost someone... Mm-hmm. I've never seen anyone handle it with the poise you have. Thank you. My hat off to you for being not only 
a very obviously grounded human, but just for being a man. So well done. Appreciate that. And I know that sounds weird, but I know that you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've had, uh, I had a lot of people, you know, you know, asking me how I'm doing and, uh, checking up on me and I appreciate that. And, and it's, I mean, it's tough because, you know, you want to just kind of sit around and mope around and be depressed and, uh, think about all the bad shit. But if I was doing that, if I was just sitting around in a corner feeling sorry for myself, that would kick my ass. (laughs) 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 He would find a way to like push something off the shelf and knock me in the head or something. Be like, get up. Like, what are you doing? So, uh, and he and he was that person too. Like whether, like if we're at a funeral or something, and I mean, you know, loved one died, shit sad. Like we're all in the back. Like he's the first one to crack a joke and make everybody smile, release, and you know, just kind of take your mind off things. And um, I mean, hell, I mean, all we did, like looking back, the majority of the time we were just trying to get each other to laugh like whether it was some crazy fucked up video on on youtube or so you get your sense of humor from him yes absolutely <laughs> thanks jerry bear oh, damn it. <laughs> Fuck. so so yeah it's just and for me it, it's better to to talk about it and, and cut up and laugh right um and i mean that's definitely the way like i said he raised me so um he would find a way to kick my ass if I wasn't and just trying to make light of the situation and, and I don't know, try to find some light at the end, end of this shitty dark tunnel that we've been in. <laughs> <laughs> I called it a couple of episodes ago. I don't even three, whatever. It doesn't matter at this point. <clears throat> I had called it the black plague. Somebody texted me and said, man, that's offensive. Fuck you. It's funny. It's offensive. <laughs> it's funny. Well, it's the, do you know your history, <laughs> motherfuckers? There was a thing called the Black Plague that yeah. killed, I don't know, a quadrillion people back in the day. Relax. Pipe down. People get offended over everything. I, they do. But, the, but the reason I started doing that is because I heard some, I stole it. Fair and straight up, I stole it. Not fair and straight up, that's weird. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean. I, I mean. stole it. Because the first person I heard say it on a some show, I think it was a podcast, I laughed very hard because <laughs> I thought that shit was fucking funny. Yeah. And it made me stop thinking about what you and I were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. how weird the vibe of the world is. Yeah. You can go outside and it's just a weird vibe. Yeah. It made me stop thinking about that for, I don't know, five, ten minutes because I was laughing at the fucking black flag. That's, <laughs> that's so fucking funny. Because <laughs> it, it is. So. Yeah. And, uh, you you have to make humor because the, my opinion, if you don't make the humor or if you don't make light of it, you'll drive yourself nuts with the pain. Absolutely. And you'll drive yourself nuts with the reality. In reality, nobody's making any money. We can't play. I have, I've been getting on my wife's nerves. Stacy wants to kill me. Okay, not <laughs> literally, but she wants to punch me in the face. And I finally had to sit her down and say, and this is not a slam on my wife. This is a fact. She's not a creative person. She's not wired the way we are. She doesn't understand that I can look projectively in the future and go, I have no fucking idea when I'm going to be on stage again. Yeah. And that does not bode well for my daily existence. Oh, yeah. It drives me nuts. I don't know how to take it. 
Yeah, man, me neither. So, so it's it's things like that that if we can do anything to provide some humor or entertainment or whatever, even amongst ourselves, whoever you're with, your wife, your significant other, your boyfriend that you keep locked up in the closet when your husband's gone. <laughs> some of y'all know what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, but seriously, I mean, you just you have to, or you'll just go nuts with it. Yeah, man. Uh, coming from a law enforcement background, you see so much messed mm-hmm. up shit, and uh, you know whether you're working in a jail or on the streets or in the courts, like pretty much your everyday job is somebody's worst day of their life. Oh, for sure. So if you don't find a way to kind of digest that and release it release it then you'll go crazy that's why stacy left 911 she couldn't and handle it anymore mentally she couldn't handle it yeah it's, she had to get out of it it's tough and it, it's hard to do and and you know it's hard not to bring the the job home with mm-hmm. you but you know a lot of my guys that i work with we all have a pretty horrid <laughs> sense of humor uh, <laughs> but there's a reason we would go well, nuts without you would. it like absolutely like, oh, you're insensitive. How are you going to tell a dick and fart joke at a funeral? Like, I'm going to tell two of them because <laughs> this is how I get I get through bad shit by laughing and cutting mm-hmm. up. Yep. Like, I don't I don't sit and cry. I go over here and, and laugh. Right. Like, that's, that's how I get through shit. So, I think we should wrap this up here. Yep. Because I don't, um, I don't think any more should be said. I agree. What do you think? Sounds good to me. I love your fucking face. I love you too, man. It's glad we finally got to do this. We've been talking about it forever. We have, actually. That 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 really is true. <laughs> We're so kids. busy. We are. That is Into true. Into the kids. Black Plague. <laughs> Please wait till about four in the morning and just text me Black Plague. Black Plague. Just so I can laugh my dick off. Um No, we ha- we have been talking about doing it for a while and we are sitting here in Trio Production House, which you now own. I do. Um so uh, we will delve into that a little bit later because everything is in limbo right now. Right. But just so you guys know, make sure you follow Jake. Uh, where can everybody find you? Oh, here we go. Uh, I'm on <laughs> social media, of course, with Facebook, Instagram. I'm not a big Twitter guy. I'm on there. So you might catch a post from me like every six to eight months. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, t- uh, Instagram, um, Badger Beats. Badger Beats. Look at you. I beat you, motherfucker. Yeah, there you go. There's five of my friends. I remember their <laughs> shit, and the rest of them, I got nothing. <laughs> Yours, I remember. And then, um, of course, just my name on Facebook, uh, Trio Production House mm-hmm. and Badger Entertainment. Look mm-hmm. us up on there. Revival Sweet. is another one of my projects. You have all kinds of shit, which, by the way, I will put in the show notes, kids, so make sure you read that stuff. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, we had a lot of good stuff coming up. Uh, was getting ready to track some... Uh, track an EP with Kayla Griffin, who's a female I've been working with from Scottsburg. Nice. Uh, with uh, Luke Bryan's guys. They came in here and did a clinic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Why wasn't I ago. here? I think you were, at, you were out of town or something. Was that the week I was in Florida? I think it was, yeah. Yeah, because we went down to yeah. see Stacy's parents, and I remember you posted that, and I went, fuck, I'm not going to be here. Yeah. Because I texted you. I was pissy about that. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to remember why I wasn't there. Well, that's cool. So you you definitely have some shit going, and obviously when the Black Plague lifts, oh, sorry, you have to say it correctly, <clears throat> the Black, Black Plague. plague. <laughs> <laughs> when this thing lifts, um, we will hopefully all get back to work and making music. 
I don't even care about Can't going to work wait. work at this point. I just want to make music. Yeah. But uh, before we leave officially, thank you for keeping this place. Yeah, man. It, I is, it has been it. my sanity. I love it. It gives everybody a chance to hang out and run into each other when we normally wouldn't get that opportunity. And It does, but I'm talking the the immediate future of right now. Yeah. Let me rephrase that. The present tense. <laughs> because I can at least I live in an apartment. I can't Oh yeah. I come home. in here and play. Absolutely. I come in here and play. Where, motherfucker, where do you think all my videos are coming from? Yeah. That room right oh, over yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But yeah. It's so, nice to have that that place to escape to. Uh, yes. Hopefully we can keep it going. We will. We'll figure it so, out. I got your back, dog. I appreciate it. I mean way <laughs> back, but I got your back. <laughs> <laughs> fucker i love your face love you too man thanks for having me on thank you for being on i'll talk to you soon all right bro like in about 30 seconds and done Peace. well that's it kids that's the show for the week that is part two that concludes my two-part episode with jake badger i hope you guys dug it i hope you got something out of it i hope you We'll take some notes from the both of us to maybe interject a little bit more humor into your life and not be so fucking serious all the time. For example, right now, I'm doing the outro of this show and my cat decides he wants to take a shit and scratch in the box. So if you hear some weird noise, that's what it is. I'm really not going to re-record this because his timing sucks. What's wrong with you? What, what the fuck's the matter with you? Why are you doing shit now? Anyway, I hope you got something out of it. I hope you will take away some poise from one Mr. Badger and try to look at things a little less serious if you can only to prevent yourself from going crazy because uh, that's what will happen if you take things too serious. Yes, life is serious. Yes, there is serious shit going on. Yes, we understand this. No, we are not belittling it. However, it can pull you down if you let it weigh on you too long and it becomes too heavy of a burden to bear. You have to find a way to get rid of it and get rid of the weight. And for guys like Jake and myself and many of my friends, actually, uh, humor is the best way to do it. And usually the more twisted it is, the fucking better we feel. So that's it. I am out of here. And as I say at the end of every new episode <gasps> stay safe and shit yep stay safe and shit clean your cat shit speaking of shit you stink dude you're a nasty motherfucker how does that smell come out of that little ass body i just don't understand what do you weigh like fucking 15 pounds and you can stink up a house more than i can stink up i don't get it i don't i just don't understand what the fuck is this shit So until next time, I will talk at you soon. <laughs>